Hey Blue Jay fans, I'm Mark Pauly, the host of Section 138, and this is episode 37 of Section 138 Blue Jay Podcast. For everything Blue Jays, as always, I'm joined by Bryson. How are you doing, Bryson? I am good. How are you? I'm doing well, as always. Uh, a little bit tiring this week, um, but that's okay because the Blue Jays are actually doing well in spring training now. Um, today, actually, as we're recording this on Friday, the 8th of March, uh, the Blue Jays just won two games in a split squad um, day against the Pittsburgh Pirates in both of the games, and they won both of them, so now they're on a six-game winning streak, I guess, <laughs> five-day winning streak, six-game winning streak. Um which is super exciting, uh, but it's definitely making baseball more enjoyable to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, the Jays had a um, after the first week they were, they had a losing record, so you know, kind of like last year, they kind of had a losing record too. But you know, since they've been on a roll, they um, they they won uh, their split squad games today, and yeah, they're now they're actually above five hundred. So I guess we can keep it going. And as some said, plan the parade. <laughs> yeah, looking at uh. I mean, today's game, um, Marcus Stroma was pitching in one of them. Um, he went four innings. He retired 10 batters in a row, I think. And he was, um, <clears throat> they mentioned on Twitter that Stroman was going to be taken out uh, in the last inning, the, the, the fourth inning when he had just two batters out. But then he kind of waved off Charlie Montoyo um, asking to stay in for that last out to get it. So it's good to see all these players succeeding. Of course, Anthony Alford actually had two home runs in one of today's games. So it's great to see all this success after a handful of weeks of <laughs> disappointing losses. Um, and it <clears throat> it's crazy to think that, you know, like now the Blue Jays are seven and six. So six of those wins have come in a row and there was only one before that um so they went one and six and now they're six and zero so it's funny to think of that anyways um to the topics of today we're going to discuss first some rule changes in major league baseball that are or rather the atlantic league associated with major league baseball that uh were just announced today and then we'll also be ta- debating vladimir guerrero jr and <clears throat> in relation to his service time issues because that's been a a topic of much discussion recently in Blue Jay land. So the rule changes are coming to the Atlantic League. They were announced today. The Atlantic League is an independent league, but MLB is um, uh, partnering with them for this experiment, if you will, um, to see what happens with these rule changes. So basically, if you break it down, the, the most prominent thing in this is that the home plate umpire is going to be calling balls and strikes assisted by a radio, radio radar tracking system. So basically, uh, if you want to use the term that most people use, it's going to be uh, robot umps. Uh, of course, you're going to have an actual ump there, but they're going to be assisted in calling balls and strikes by radar and by more accurate technology, hopefully. Uh, so that's interesting. It's a big development. Uh and we're also going to see uh, no mound visits between players and coaches uh, other than for pitching changes or medical issues. And then uh, the the distance between the pitching rubber and home plate is going to be moved back uh, two feet, I believe it is, uh, which is, of course, a huge physical distance. Um but there are a whole slew of other rules. They're increasing the sizes of the bases from 15 inches to 18 inches. Um, they're having 
uh, requiring two infielders to be on each side of second base when a pitch is released, so basically trying to outlaw the shift in some ways. Um, so obviously these rules are kind of meant as a proxy for what's going to happen in Major League Baseball or to see if it's actually viable. And I, uh, to be clear, before we start discussing this, I don't think anything this radical will ever come to Major League Baseball just because it's there's so many rule changes. But I think we can see parts of these rules or uh, some of these rules and not the others uh, come to Major League Baseball because obviously we have seen Rob Manfred uh, pushing for some of these reforms. So first, before I say anything else, I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, uh, some of these rule changes, though, they, they are interesting. And the only ones that I can see eventually going into Major League Baseball would be or as we like to say, the robot strike zone, I can see that possibly happening. And I can also see, you know, if, um, you know, enlarging the bases to 18 inches, like you said, maybe, um, you know, there's there's no problem with that. So I just, I, I'm a little uh, curious on why they did that. I know there hasn't been much concern about bases. Some people may have had some concern. So, you know, if, uh, if the 18-inch bases work out pretty good in their independent league, I could see, you know, Major League Baseball eventually doing that. Um, but the, the main focus for me on this one is the robot strike zone or sorry, the robot umpires. And, uh, I can see that eventually, uh, again, transitioning into major league baseball, but I don't see that for a few years. You know, some people, you know, they argue on if this is really the way to go for the future. And, you know, if uh, one, one call from one bad call or a good call from an umpire can change the whole at bat at one in one sequence. So that's, um, pretty much the biggest change there. And then the other, you know, the other side comes from people who like the human element in the game. And uh, I can also see that argument, you know, you as humans, you know, humans make mistakes and you got to deal with errors from the umpire sometimes. Maybe you got a favorable call or, you know, the, you feel like the umpire is against you. But um, I like the idea that they're starting the robot uh, umpires. You know, it's been pretty much surfacing throughout the league. The league's wanted it, like you said, for the past couple of years. So why not try that in... Um, in their independent league. And then the the one rule that I disagree with would be the changing of the mound, moving it back. I think that when it comes to the dimensions in baseball, we kind of, we should be leaving that alone. I guess you can even argue that with the bases, just leaving everything alone. Uh, you know, moving the mound back, that gives the hitters much of an advantage. It gives them more of a uh, reaction time, you know, where they can see the pit, um, a pitch coming in a lot better than opposing the mound at its normal length in Major League Baseball. So if we see that, you know, I guess we should be expecting a lot more um, runs, hits. And the other thing you can debate on that is, you know, that's maybe what people like rather than hardcore baseball fans that like, wouldn't mind seeing pitcher, pitching duels every once in a while. A lot of people like to see offense and they find um, offensive, or sorry, they find pitchers duels like that. They can be boring sometimes, but uh, when it comes to the dimensions in baseball, I, I really don't, I really don't think uh, Major League Baseball should eventually mess with that. You know, baseball was created that certain way it's a very historic sport and i think it they should it's, um they should stay away from that the only thing again i would be in favor of if it goes well like you know it's good to see uh that league you know they're going to be testing it out they're going to give major league ba- baseball some sort of you know they're going to give them some sort of answer you know they're going to te- they're going to test it see how it goes and that would be the robot strike zone would be the only thing that i would see eventually moving to major league baseball within the next couple of years i think there's really two ways to look at this and I've seen a lot of reactions along these lines on Twitter and basically it's 
looking at it the perspective of only Major League Baseball. So, of course, if you look at it as only Major League Baseball, and this is to benefit the implementation of these rules in Major League Baseball, yeah, it makes sense. You want to try it out before we get it to Major League Baseball, see if that whole robot umpire is, uh, is actually a viable way of advancing the game and monitoring the game um, and see how we can improve the technology before we're doing it on a first-run basis in the majors, which of course makes sense. Um, Along with all these other things, we can see if it actually improves the game before we fiddle with the rules of Major League Baseball and a $10 billion industry. But the other way to look at it, and I I think this is more important because we're talking about real people here, is that this independent league, the Atlantic League is used as a league for um, developing players to get back into Major League Baseball or to work their way to Major League Baseball for the first time. So we're seeing them fiddle with the rules of this league, and I think that can be dangerous both for players within this league and for Major League Baseball teams that are scouting players in this league. Because if you look at players in this league playing with a... uh, a mound that's 62 feet and a half inches from home plate instead of 60 and a half, it's going to be, it's going to throw off the pitchers entirely. You're not going to be able to adjudicate the skills of the pitcher because of that extra distance between the the pitching mound and home plate. Because uh, as you mentioned, there's going to be more reactionary time for the batter and even a split second, uh, you know, the decision time, um, it's something like they have, um, three milliseconds or or 300 milliseconds I think it is to decide uh whether to swing at a pitch or or let it go so to see that decision time increased by a a large number obviously because it's two feet even though it sounds small it's a big difference um you know you won't be able to adjudicate players the same um so you're going to see uh, damages. I think it's going to hurt players in the Atlantic League trying to get to Major League Baseball, or at least professional baseball, um, organized baseball with Major League Baseball. So I think it's going to damage them for that sense. But if you do just look at it from a Major League Baseball sense, of course, it it, it could benefit the game. Um, and, and really, for Commissioner Rob Manfred, there's no damage done for him if, you know, this independent baseball league, the Atlantic League, um, has damage done within their league because it, it doesn't associate with him. There's no money flow between the two leagues. So, um, for Rob Manfred, I think it's the right decision to pass these, uh, to try to get these uh, changes implemented. But for the Atlantic League, you know, the commissioner of the Atlantic League, I question his decision a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, since Rob Manfred became commissioner, yeah, he's pretty much begun, been the leader of the movement of, you know, baseball, uh, they got to speed up the game, they got to speed up the pace of play. And uh, I think that's the reason why, you know, rules have been, I guess they've stalled the past couple years rather than this year, be- just because Manfred doesn't want to take the risk. And, you know, if something backfires in Major League Baseball, when he takes the risk, you know, he's going to get a lot of heat for it. So he's pretty much essentially using the Atlantic League. And again, you know, it kind of puts them in a tough spot. And you mentioned a good point with the players. It takes, you know, let's just say they have one season down in the Atlantic League and they play even one spring training game in the major leagues. You know, it's going to take one pitch for them to be thrown off due to the, again, the mound dimensions. And it's can and baseball can, you know, it can take a long time for you to adjust to something. So that can, you know, possibly can even ruin your career just uh, depending on your play. 
But again, with Rob Manfred, um, you can see why he, you know, he's wanting to pay, uh, speed up the pace of play. And the other thing that I do like in the the uh, Atlantic League, sorry, Atlantic League is the lack of mound visits. I think that's uh, you know a major issue with some or with some people with Major League Baseball now. But Major League Baseball in, has taken it into their own hands. They've limited mound visits, and um, they're also testing out the pitch clock this spring, which. Uh, I guess every 20 seconds, you know, there's got to be the pitcher's got to throw and the batter's got to be in the batter's box. And I don't know if that's I don't think that's going to be translating or going into the regular season for another couple of years. I think they're going to be avoiding that until like 2021. I think I saw um, a couple days ago. But again, I like the trial and error that they're doing. And, you know, again, it, it, you are right. It puts the Atlantic League in a tough spot, even for the commissioner over there. But Rob Manfred, he's pretty much in a win win situation because if something goes terribly over there that, you know, of a rule change, then he can easily just scrap it and, uh, you know, make sure that it's forgotten about and nobody ever thought about it again because he, he has the power to do that as the commissioner. So it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out. And like I said, um, the only thing I really I can see coming to Major League Baseball would be the, the robot strike zone. Yeah, uh, I think it was – I was having a discussion about this with my friend recently, uh, and we looked it up in the last – changing of the distance between home plate and the the uh, the the pitcher's mound was I think it was in the 1800s the late 1800s or something 1885 maybe but it's been a really long time since they changed that distance the dimensions of baseball are something that's really frozen in time like that's an untouchable no matter how you look at it and of course you know uh 1969 they changed the height of the mound after bob gibson's uh insane season on the mound um but that's changing the height of the mound it's not changing the distance between the mound and home plate so um i i think on a broader scale with all these rule changes i can see changes that don't change the game physically they don't change the look of the game um, and the optics of the game. Because if you look at, you know, rules that you just mentioned, like the pitch clock, it doesn't change the optics of the game. It just changes the pace of the game and how the game is played. But once you start fiddling with the dimensions of the game and how the game looks on the field, like changing the base size and a whole slew of other things, like moving the mound and, uh, and, and to a lesser extent raising or lowering the mound, I think that's where it gets kind of tricky. I don't think at the Major League Baseball, that they should be fiddling with the dimensions of the game and how the game looks. I think they can, to the extent that they can change the dimensions of the game, they can raise and lower the mound. I think that's really the only thing they can do in this situation, physically, to the game. But I do think, uh, of all these rule changes, the most likely are, yes, home plate, uh, robot umpires, or whatever you want to call them, and uh, the the changes to mound visits and other limitations to pitchers regarding pace and uh, consoling. I one particularly interesting thing in this I thought was the the provision to get rid of the shift. But I again I saw this uh, throughout baseball history there have just been shifts. Like you can't just get rid of a shift if if you have a right handed hitter versus left handed hitter. No matter what hitter they are, you're still going to move to adjust to what side of the plate they're hitting from uh, and and what handedness the pitcher is so i this whole thing i i disagree with a lot of these rules and i don't think they'll ever be implemented into major league baseball Uh, but at the same time i like what major league baseball is doing because i you know we've been hearing for a long time 
fans want change and they want these rules to be implemented so that baseball is better, is a better game. But now that these rules are being tried out and implemented, I'm seeing a lot of fans that are disagreeing with them and mad that they're being implemented. But at some point, in order to get this change and in order to get the game better, these changes are going to have to be implemented. You're, the, the bullet has to be bitten. There, at some point, we have to make the leap and make the, the blind faith jump to see what can be done to this game. That's pretty much it for discussion on rule changes because uh, it's obviously a very polarizing subject. Yeah, you just heard me say that I don't like some of the rules, but we have to bite the bullet. Um, but moving on to an equally polarizing subject, um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He is not going to make the Major League roster with the Blue Jays. I think we're pretty much entirely agreed on that because of service time issues, but that's what we're going to be concerned about today, service time issues. So basically, um, how baseball works right now, if the Blue Jays hold Vladimir Guerrero Jr. back for, uh, I think it's 20 days to be exact, if they make him make his Major League debut 20 days later into the season, they get an extra year of service time from him. So the Blue Jays are going to do that because it's 20 days for an extra year. Um, So first, um, I'm going to ask you, do you think that the Blue Jays are right to do this? From the Blue Jays standpoint, I absolutely do think it's the right thing to do it. And um, from the fan standpoint, that's a completely different perspective. But from for the Blue Jays standpoint, again, you said, you know, he's the best prospect in baseball right now. There's hype around him everywhere in Toronto and even, you know, on social media with Major League Baseball. You know, you're seeing him a lot on the MLB and Instagram and Twitter and so on and so on. And if you can hold on to him for an extra year, then you got to do it. If it, I think it's something like April 15th or something like that, like you said, 20 days. So um, once that, you know, once that day comes, again, you get him for an extra year. Uh, year but if I'm the Blue Jays and if I'm the fans, that day he needs to be called up. There doesn't need to be a delay. Um, you know, eventually you got to put you got to put something in the stadium for the fans to come see because you know with the team they have now, likely other than opening day, fans won't be ex- exactly you know filling up the Rogers Center as much as we're used to from the past couple of years, and even you know kind of like the attendance how it dropped last year. So you got to give the fans something to see and. Um, if you're going to hold on to him, which you can understand, because it does make sense if you're going to hold on to one of the top prospects in baseball and somebody who, you know, has a potential amazing career ahead of him, uh, you got, again, you got to hold on to the extra year. I completely agree with the move. And, you know, pretty much the way it grows, even been playing this spring, it has no, it has no impact or judgment on if the Jays will even bring him up again. He's kind of had a slow start to the spring too, I believe. He, he's had about 19 at-bats, and yeah, he's he's batting just above 200. So again, these stats don't matter for him making the team or not, for those who are few that would think that. it's Again, it's all about the service time, and you know, um, the MLBPA, MLBPA has been pretty much disagreeing with this whole thing, you know, saying how it's terrible for the game of baseball. But the, the one thing that they fail to realize, even though they're the Players Association, and the, a lot of this are just pretty much over-exaggerating because they have to, is you have to look at the team standpoint. And for the Jays, they understand, or at least we hope they understand, that the fans do want to see him on April 15th. And if if the Jays do not bring him up April 15th, you know, despite any, if, he, uh, if he's healthy, other than, you know, if he gets hurt or blah, 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 hope not, knock on wood. But if he's healthy and all, he needs to be up on the Major League roster. And if it's not April 15th and they continue to hold him in the minor leagues, then that's when it starts to become an issue with me and that's when I start to disagree. 
But as of now, you know, you assume their tentative plan is April 15th. And the extra year of service time could be crucial depending on, you know, the player he becomes. The You know, the, the next big contract, you know, you're going to see him sign. You know, we're seeing players like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado sign these ludicrous deals. Mike Trout's up in a couple of years. And again, you know, if you're going to hold on to Vladdy Guerrero for next year and if he's, you know, expected to make a con- or sign a contract that big, then you got to do it. Exactly. I think in this situation, the Blue Jays, um, a lot of fans are v- making the Blue Jays the enemy in this case, but I really think that the perspective should be changed. The Blue Jays, um, they, they keep, people, people keep saying that the Blue Jays are screwing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. over, um, but that's, in my opinion, that's really not the case because, um, the Blue Jays are just following the rules of baseball. They are following the fact that in the collective bargaining agreement, the rules are laid out like this. They can do this, and it helps them. You know, basically, they're trading one year for 1.85 years, right? They're getting 1.85 years instead of one year by just keeping him back for 20 days. So um, the idea that the Blue Jays are doing this because they don't like Guerrero or because um, they have some personal vendetta against Guerrero or whatever, it's, they're doing this because it's in the collective bargaining agreement. And it, if anyone is screwing anyone over in this case, it's the Major League Players Association, this association that's screwing Guerrero over and screwing their own players over because they bargain for this agreement and they're supposed to be representing the players but this provision in the CBA hurts them so I think um you know the CBA is expiring soon so if I I think this is definitely something that we should be looking at to change the rules of because yes the Blue Jays shouldn't be able to do this but because they are in the collective bargaining agreement able to do this I don't think anyone should be blaming the Blue Jays in this situation no, absolutely. And they're again, they're just following the protocol of the collective bargaining agreement. And, you know, the MLBPA needs to realize that that's what they agreed upon. And, you know, with the the, uh, the CBA, again, expiring in a couple of years, we don't know what the future holds with that. You know, people are sensing there might be a lockout with the current rift between the two sides. Um, another big point for the rift between the two sides would be, you know, the, um, the right now the current state of free agency and how it's been really slow and multiple players or veterans are left unemployed. So again, the MLBPA, I think if I had to assume too, they're being a little, they're over exaggerating everything. Cause you know, they have to, the players association and the league there, there's always in any, any professional sport of the major, uh, the big four in North America, there's always going to be some rift or something they don't agree on. And again, th- that's what the collective bargaining agreement states. And this would com- be a completely different story, like I mentioned earlier. If it's past April fifteenth, and you know Guerrero's healthy, and they hold him in the minor leagues, then there's an issue. But you know, who, who, the Blue Jays haven't really commented on it. You know, they've kind of just been saying how, or you know, Ross Atkins even said a couple of the, uh, like a few weeks ago on uh, MLB Network Radio or something like that how he doesn't envision Guerrero being a major league player right now. And we all know um, Ross Atkins is pretty much I wouldn't you know you he was pretty much lying about that, even though I still believe his choice of words about that aren't exactly correct. I, you know, I think they should have, they should be saying something like, you know, um, where he's going to work on his defensive player, so-and-so, you know, they they have to give a reason for him being, and it's going to be a BS reason of why he's in the minor leagues. But again, the collective bargaining agreement, you know, you you said how it states that uh, for an extra 20 days, you get him for next year. And why wouldn't you want to hold on to a, um, a player 
you know, with an extra year of service time. And again, it's all about his potential as well. You know, this guy is going to be something else. He's going to be the, the face of the franchise, you know, within the end of the year, hopefully, if we're assuming if he's called up by April 15th. So the, the league shouldn't be looked at, um, at it, you know, negatively from the fans, but you can understand the fans wanting to see their superstar and they, you know, they're just going to have to wait 20 days. And again, they have every reason to start completely uh, backlashing at the league and at the Blue Jays if this continues through April 15th or that date in mid-April. But they should be expecting to see him up by then. And, you know, once that day hits, pretty pretty much people are going to forget about this ever happened. They're going to they're gonna get what they want. They're going to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And hopefully, you know, Vladdy lives up to the hype and he becomes, you know, a very good player that we're all projecting he will be. You brought up the, the kind of PR aspect and what Ross Atkins was saying about this. And you brought up what he said on MLB Network Radio, which I agree with you. I don't think... Um, he framed the conversation well. I, I don't think he should have said what he did in saying that he doesn't see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as a major league player right now. Um, I, I'm going to ask you, do you think it would be better if the Blue Jays just came out and said, you know, we're manipulating his service time, we're keeping him down for 20 days so we get an extra year of him? Yeah, I don't think it'd be the worst thing. I just think that, you know... They would obviously they wouldn't. I don't think they'd ever say it, and I think they would. I would still think they'd get some heat if they said it from the fans, just because, as well with the current state of their fan base. You know, Atkins and Shapiro aren't exactly seen as. Um, they're kind of pretty much seen as villains. Not a lot of people like them, and anything they say, they just seem to get a negative reaction either way. So, you know, it's almost like when Ross Atkins says something like he's not a major league player. It's pretty much, to me, that's. That's the last straw, and that's when I would think, like, if you're just going to say something that, you know, crazy, then you might as well just say he's he, we're manipulating the surface time. You know, they, they, they know that they're doing that, and this would all be a different story if, he, again, he said something like, you know, he's going to work on his defensive game or he's going to work on his base running or so-and-so. But, you know, if if uh, he's saying that he's not a major league player, then then why the heck wouldn't you just say that you're manipulating the surface time? Because everyone obviously sees right through that. Yeah, it's... um. I don't know whether the Blue Jays could come out and say something like that just because of, I don't know if it would result in a sort of like lawsuit by the Players Association against Major League Baseball or against the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know what that all involves, but certainly I think everyone, every single person can see straight through what Atkins is saying. So, um, I per- personally, I would like to have them just come out and say, you know, we're doing this because it's the best thing for the team. It's and our focus on is on keeping the team the best and and helping the Blue Jays win for the longest they can. And hey, we're not going to win this season. We don't want to waste his service time on the first twenty days of the season. That won't matter in in another twenty days. So I personally would like to see them talk to us honestly like that. But again, I don't know what obligations they have elsewhere and whether, you know, the average fan, I honestly I, I don't get to talk to the average fan that often, but the average man might just like the person who goes to the ballpark once or twice a season doesn't follow the Blue Jays every step. They they can just see this news and be content with what Atkins is saying. So maybe it's it's a way of kind of saving face in front of people who don't follow the Blue Jays as religiously. Uh, another thing to consider in this is that um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will get another year of arbitration under this, uh, under what the Blue Jays are doing right now, keeping him down for an extra 20 days and keeping him under 
service time for an extra year. So it's not like he's missing out on money. If he's a really good player, he'll get $20 million or more in arbitration for his final year with the Blue Jays, so he's still going to be getting paid. It's just he won't be hitting the free agent market as early and as young as he would. He'd be hitting it a year older, which, you know, I, the difference between, what, 25 and 26 or 26 and 27 on the free agent market I don't know how much that is actually worth in money, but he's not like he's going to be missing the the $20 million or whatever that he would make that season. Mm-hmm, exactly. He's not missing He's not missing out on the money. It, it just, you know, the problem too is, you know, some fans, again, like you said, who aren't the biggest fans who go to the ballpark once or twice a year, they don't know really how the arbitration process works. And pretty much, I would say half of the fans don't, still don't know what arbitration is, and that goes for pretty much any sport. It could be confusing to some and going back to your point about, um, you know, how people would, you know, prefer, or like you said, the average fan about, you know, hearing the news of Ross Atkinson, um, or his, you know, the reasoning of not calling up Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It also makes you wonder, you know, do you think, you know, from like more of like a hardcore fan or somebody who follows the team every day, you know, you would think that they would get, they would actually get a better response from the fan base if they just came out and said, we're manipulating a service time, we're going to wait till April 15th, rather than saying he... He's a 19-year-old who's not ready to be a major... He's not a major league-ready player. So that's another thing to look at. It's just that it probably would be better off if Ross Atkins is going to say something like that to just say, you know, again, something along the lines of something he's got to improve on to get a better... That I think that get a better response from the fans. Yeah, I would... Again, I don't know how the normal fan is going to react to that, but uh, personally, me, I would feel more goodwill towards Ross Atkins if he just came out and said something like that. Right now, I don't blame him for what he's saying. Like I just said, it's not the Blue Jays' fault that they're doing this. It is, in in my view, the fault of the, the Players Association for negotiating this kind of agreement that allows for this service time manipulation. So I don't blame what Rock Atkins is doing, but he could right now in my books, he kind of sits at like a zero for this whole thing. Um, he's not in the negatives, he's not in the positives, but if he just came out and said, Hey, we're doing this for the betterment of the team. We're not going to win this year. We're saving him for an extra year when we are going to be winning. He can help us get his championship. He would go well into the positives instead of sitting neutral in my books. Yeah, and him saying that, it t- he's technically right, even saying it's better for the team, because if you really think about it, if you hold on him for an extra year, you know, I guess that gives the Jays a, a better chance of winning on the field without, or rather than without, you know, risking losing him in free agency. So along the lines of him saying that, he's technically right, saying it's better for the team. And again, the fans, once that date hits and he, sh- he should be called up by then, then I think that, you know, everything about this whole uh, problem or, you know, this controversial decision would be forgotten about. So, yeah, I don't think it'll matter in the long run. You know, you look back to, uh, Chris Bryant in 2015, no one really cares about that anymore. Cubs fans are just happy to have Chris Bryant on their team. They don't feel any, uh, ill intentions towards, uh, Theo Epstein and the rest of the, the, the Cubs front office. It's just kind of, now they're happy to have him for another year. You know, if they didn't have him for another year, maybe they'd be blaming them for not keeping Chris Bryant down. So really it's, it won't matter like 20 days after on March, on May 15th, none of this will matter. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be up. Hopefully if he's not up, then it will matter. And there will be concerns over that, but it, it won't matter a month into the season. It'll be nothing that will concern any of us at that point. 
So that pretty much wraps up what we're talking about today. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened. As always, uh, you can follow Bryson on Instagram at Everything Blue Jays. You can follow me at 360 Blue Jay News and read my work on bluebirdbanter.com. I uh, have an article up recently about Vladimir Guerrero's service time and the media attention he's getting uh, along with uh, every day you can catch stuff from other contributors about uh, games and news and birthdays and uh, everything uh, that you would want related to the Blue Jays. So again, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week.